1: A top terrorist is dead. Al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zawahiri, taken out by a U.S. drone strike. Go to foxnews.com for more.
2: I'm Stuart Vonney. I'm Martha
3: McCallum. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and this is the Fox News Rundown.
1: Tuesday, August 2nd, 2022, Alisa Brady, election meddling in the midterms as Democrats try to influence Republican races.
4: You can't, on one hand, think our, our democracy hangs in the balance and, on the other hand, be actively promoting uh, candidates who, who, by that same logic, are contributing to that level of discourse.
3: I'm Dave Anthony. There's an attempt to free another American jailed overseas, but this one's not in Russia. Navy Lieutenant Ridge Alconis is in Japan. His wife, Brittany, tells us they may need President Biden's help.
0: I do believe there are people in the military, in the State Department, that really want to help. Um, But because this case is so unprecedented in so many ways, you're falling in
2: all these cracks we never even knew existed. And I'm Tommy Lahren. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown.
1: The road to the midterm elections runs through five more states today and some familiar themes are playing out again, including endorsements from the former president. Certain Trump haters, if he's endorsing, won't vote for because he endorsed her. Uh, And to me, it doesn't make it doesn't matter. You know, whether he endorsed her or not. He's a voter in Michigan where conservative commentator Tudor Dixon won Trump backing just days before the primary to pit a Republican against Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer. In Missouri's crowded GOP Senate primary, it's gotten personal between former Governor Eric Greitens and State Attorney General Eric Schmidt, who says Greitens' personal baggage puts the race at risk.
2: The choice is very clear on the proven conservative fighter, and the other folks are not.
1: Democrats are also trying to tip the scales in some Republican races, aiming to prop up pro-Trump candidates, banking on them being easier to beat in the fall. But even with inflation running at a 40-year high, some top Republicans are still urging caution. It's a close election almost everywhere. And it's a 50-50 country. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell says it's way too early for either side to be assuming they'll have a great election or a disaster this fall. I think
4: that's right.
1: Colin Reed is a Republican strategist and co-founder of South and Hill Strategies.
4: We just crossed the proverbial 100-day mark of the campaign to the number of days left until the midterm. And uh, even more coming up in the next few weeks will be labor day when voters really start tuning in for the home stretch. And we'll have a better sense of, of when these candidates uh, who will be actually on the ballot, but I'll say this uh, for all the talk in DC, the last couple of weeks about legislation and horse trading, who's up, who's down to a lot of folks who are going to be casting ballots this fall. It's it's, it's it may be some important issues there, but a lot of it is overridden by the, pain they're feeling at the pump at the grocery store. And everything is just more expensive and and more out of reach if you can even buy it. So life is challenging right now. And that's something that the party in charge is inherently going to answer for because they are the ones who've been calling the shots the last two years.
1: As a Republican strategist and also a former campaign manager for Senator Scott Brown, how do you get a Republican to win a seat in a blue state?
4: It's tough, uh, especially as our politics have become more polarized and everyone has run more and more to their respective corners. Um, You know, the nature of a Republican running in a blue state or a Democrat running in a red state, for that matter, is being willing to show you that you're someone who is willing to break from the party line. And being able to separate yourself from the extremes of your parties uh, to avoid a lot of the attack ads. So it's about showing separation, one, from your own party and then finding that issue that separates you from your opponents. That is an issue that you can talk about and it resonates with Republicans, independents moderates, Democrats, liberals. And once you find that issue, you just run on it. You run as hard as you can and you project uh, an outsider, um, a message that threatens to overturn the status quo. And, uh, you know, the the approval of Washington, D.C. politicians just declines year after year. So if you're able to present yourself as someone who's not from there, your chances are better of having a successful message.
1: What about the Trump endorsement? How important is that in these primaries and will it mean as much in November?
4: Well, look, it's certainly going to consume an inordinate amount of attention uh, heading into these primaries. Uh, it has. And just by the virtue of uh, the former president not simply uh, walking off the stage and, and and finding his next chapter, he's made clear that he wants to have a role, whether he runs again or whether he becomes a, a prospective kingmaker. Uh, it'll cert- It's certainly a factor. And I know it's a factor in many of these states, uh, but ultimately the longer and longer we move on from the Trump presidency and the more and more we spend in the Biden presidency, voters have short memories and they want to know what's going to happen in-, in front of them as opposed to what's behind them. So I think, uh, in the general election, uh, the Democrats will of course try to make it an issue. Uh, but I think with the barrage of, of things that voters are sorting out right now and sifting through, uh, it's going to begin to lose its resonance. Uh, In general election matchups.
1: I want to drill down with you for a minute on the Michigan governor's race because Republican Tudor Dixon is trying to beat Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Michigan voters have abortion rights on the ballot in November. Does an issue like that hurt a candidate like Dixon or other conservatives who may be trying to win in blue or purple states?
4: Well, that these issues cut differently state by state, and that may cut differently in Michigan than it would in Mississippi or Missouri or Massachusetts. And certainly, as I mentioned earlier, these candidates who are running are going to figure out how voters uh, feel about that issue, and they're going to run on them accordingly. So as you look at the individual polls in these states – uh, I would suspect that the economy is still going to stay number one, uh, but certainly you're gonna have to figure out how to navigate around these state specific issues uh, and either find a way to to message around them for the better or, or to avoid falling into the, the traps that can lie in wait. Um, you know there's a there's a lot of blue states where Republicans in years past. I'm thinking in 2010 and 2014 where the climate was similarly, poor for Democratic candidates, Republican governors came in there and won uh, in places like Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Uh, And, you know, it could happen again in a climate this bad. But a a Michigan Republican candidate's got to look a little bit different on the issue of abortion than someone from, uh, you know, Mississippi or Missouri.
1: There's been some meddling in Republican primaries by Democrat entities and donors thinking they may have an easier time against MAGA candidates, for instance, than more moderate Republicans this fall. Could that backfire?
4: Well, first of all, it's completely disingenuous for Democrats to say that democracy is in the ballot and the Republic is in jeopardy and then spend, I think I heard as much as $50 million promoting some of these candidates and ads. So on the one hand, it's just hollow. It speaks to how many, how few cards they have to play politically. And the media should be holding them to more of an account, in my estimation, because You can't on one hand think our our democracy hangs in the balance and the other hand be actively promoting uh, candidates who, who by that same logic are contributing to that level of discourse. And secondly, the Democrats should be careful what they wish for uh, in a climate this bad. You better be careful. You're going to nominate someone who's going to have the wind at their back and have a chance of getting elected. And then they'll have to answer for that person. And that, that's when the chickens will really come home to roost. So uh, I don't know. Politics can there's games in politics. But on this issue in particular, the level of sanctimony, the level of moral outrage that the left has, has professed around this issue, uh, it rings a little hollow to me.
1: He's not the only Republican laying into Democrats over election meddling. Congressman Peter Meyer, a freshman representative from Michigan who voted to impeach President Trump, accuses Democrats of selling out any pretense of principle and of being hypocrites for calling Trump and his followers a threat to democracy, then spending millions of dollars on MAGA candidates, challenging moderates like him in the hope of improving the odds for Democratic candidates this fall.
5: One of my points will please my fellow Democrats. One of them will not.
1: Ms. Smith is a Democratic strategist and author of the New York Times bestselling book, Any Given Tuesday.
5: Meyer does have a little bit of a point when it comes to his race, not that he was going to win. History has shown throughout this primary process that the Republicans who have voted for impeachment have tended to lose in the Republican primaries. So I think it is very likely that he would have lost whether or not Democrats meddled but I don't feel right about the fact that Democrats did meddle in his election, mostly because we need to give moderate Republicans who have courage the space to take hard votes and know that Democrats won't then turn around and stab them in the back. Now, that's a little bit different to me than Take, for example, the Pennsylvania governor's race, which is the biggest governor's race up this cycle, where Democrats started to run ads uh, highlighting Mastriano's very conservative record as soon as his poll numbers started taking off. And Mastriano, again, I think would have won the primary, had the DGA, the Democratic Governors Association, not run ads for him. But it's not like he was running against any moderate Republicans. There are no Peter Myers in that race. So in a lot of these races, what you're seeing is that there's no one who is willing to stand up to Donald Trump and his election lies. With Meyer, it is a little bit different. And I think that some of the criticism is warranted.
1: Overall, though, you know, doesn't this strategy have the potential to backfire for Democrats? It could theoretically end up putting more Diehard Trump supporters in Congress, for instance.
5: Well, only in the case where you see that the Democratic spending put a Republican, uh, put put them over the finish line. And in most of the cases, it's certainly in the gubernatorial races. Um, it would be really hard to say that uh, someone like a Doug Mastriano wouldn't have won, even without the Democratic governors spending money on that race. Um, But it was a bad signal for the Democratic Party to send um, that we will punish Republicans who do the right thing. And like, imagine if we went out and um, spent money against the Republicans who voted for the Uh, infrastructure bill. Again, why then would Republicans ever break with their party? So, yes, I understand the idea that this could be playing with fire. But I also think Republican voters aren't children and they bear some responsibility here. And the fact that they are gravitating to the most extreme candidates in these races says something about where the Republican base is today.
1: President Biden keeps saying, you know, fighting inflation is a top priority, but there've been, you know, polls showing a significant majority saying we're on the the wrong path. What is the best case Democratic candidates can make in these midterm races?
5: Yeah. And we see Joe Biden's numbers in the 30s right now. There's no doubt that he would rather be, you know, in the 70s as he was earlier in his term. Um, Democrats can win this election if they make this a choice between them and the Republican Party and the Republican candidates rather than a referendum on Joe Biden, and how they can do that is point to the fact that Republicans themselves haven 't really offered anything in the way of um, plans to reduce inflation or offer relief to American families. In fact, you know they have voted against efforts to reduce the cost of prescription drugs they've voted against efforts to import baby formula and That signals to voters that the Republican Party isn't interested in getting things done for them. What they're more interested in is holding back progress, holding back the relief Democrats are trying to offer. um, Because if Americans are hurting, Republicans know that they're going to take it out on the party in power. And that's the Democratic Party. I
1: know you were a campaign advisor for 2020 Pete Buttigieg's campaign. Of course, he's now the U.S. Transportation Secretary. There's a new preference poll of New Hampshire Democrats. And in that, I'm sure you've heard about it, <laughs> Buttigieg beats President Biden in that preference poll. Now, the president keeps pointing to poll results that show if he runs, Democrats say they will support him. How concerned are you, though, as a strategist about polls like the one in New Hampshire? And should the president be more concerned?
5: Um, no, so... Look, again, this is not where the president would want to be in the polls right now. But history has shown with incumbent presidents like Bill Clinton in 1994, even Ronald Reagan in 1982, that the majority of the members of, of voters in their party said they should not run for re-election with Reagan. It was over 60 percent of Republicans said they thought he should not run for reelection. And then he went on and had the biggest blowout in presidential election history. And so that tells me that a lot can change in a couple of years and that Democrats just need to keep their eye on the ball. And the better uh, we do in the midterms, the better it is for Joe Biden's chances in 2024.
1: Democratic strategist Liz Smith, thank you so much for your time.
0: Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business
2: to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Tommy Laren with your Fox News commentary coming up.
3: There's a push to free an American whose family believes is wrongly imprisoned overseas. Not Brittany Greiner or Paul Whalen and not Russia. U.S. Navy Lieutenant Rich Alconis was forced to leave his wife and three children and report to a Japanese prison. Where he will serve a three-year sentence after he was convicted of negligent driving causing the death of two Japanese pedestrians. It was a car accident that resulted from a tragic, unforeseeable, unforeseen medical emergency. Republican Senator Mike Lee is among those trying to help free Lieutenant Alconis. I find it nothing short of inexcusable that an American who experienced a medical emergency should be treated so poorly by an allied nation that he's protecting. There has been a history of tension between Japan and the U.S. military over the criminal conduct of some Americans stationed there in the past. Congressman Mike Levin and Congresswoman Omar Radawagan are also trying to help free Alconis his wife has also spoken to U.S. Ambassador to Japan Rahm Emanuel, and she's going to Washington, D.C. to plead her case and ask for help.
0: The incident and then everything following the incident was beyond anything I could have ever imagined.
3: Brittany Alconis says it happened in late May 2021 on a family hiking trip in Japan.
0: We drove to Mount Fuji, drove to Station 5, hiked for about 45 minutes or so until the trail got a little too difficult for the kids. And then we started our way down the mountain and we're approaching the little town at the base of the mountain. Uh, My husband, all of a sudden, and without warning, lost consciousness. My daughter tried to wake him. He was unresponsive. Uh, The car, unfortunately, veered off to the side. Road where it hit two cars. Uh, and those cars in turn hit two people. And thank heavens, we were only going about 25 miles per hour, but he never hit the brake. Hitting the two cars did not wake him. The crash did not wake him. It took several minutes oh. until until I finally pulled him out of the car and I told him, Hey, you need to help me. No one can understand me. He speaks Japanese. I don't.
3: And you're trying to resuscitate yes. him, and then there's obviously um, the pedestrians who were hit were killed, which you probably didn't even know at the time. You're you're still at the accident. With you're dealing with your husband, right?
0: Actually, uh, so the pedestrians they were at the scene. Um, no one believed that they were severely hurt. So when the before the ambulance left, one of the paramedics came up and they said, "Hey, they're going to be okay."
3: And obviously they weren't. Uh, how much later did you find out they had died?
0: Um, I I found out that evening that the woman had passed away. Maybe three or four hours after the accident, the gentleman was in the hospital. He just needed a couple surgeries on his hip. He was working from the hospital. They said he was going to be fine, and then um, after his second surgery, he had an embolism. (sighs) That's when he passed away.
3: Holy man! Now, so your husband—he—he came to Mm
0: -hmm. and
3: and he must have been shocked to see the situation. He came and woke up to.
0: Oh, he was, he was mortified and he was trying to help as much as he could. Um, At one point he ran up to me and he, he was just saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. I I never even saw that light. I I don't know what happened. And I I asked him, I was like, were you tired? Uh, And he said, no. And I said, okay, it doesn't matter. Just keep helping. You know, we'll deal with that part later.
3: Was he arrested that day?
0: He was. He was arrested at the scene.
3: And then taken away? Yes. And he was in custody for more than three weeks, right?
0: Yes. Uh, 26, 27 days. He was in solitary confinement. Um, He was interrogated at length for roughly 20 of those. Uh, They used sleep deprivation as a tactic to mess with them and make it harder for them to handle the situation.
3: So what ultimately was the determination? What happened to your husband? Why did he black out?
0: Well, you know, he got a clinical diagnosis of acute mountain illness.
3: So you go to trial, and I assume you thought that that would help the case against him.
0: In Japan, you you don't really defend yourself in court. Okay. Japanese court is very nuanced. Um so he mentioned it. They said, why didn't you pull over? And he said, well, I, I didn't pull over because I wasn't aware that anything was wrong with me. I wasn't tired. Okay. And
3: But they don't believe him. Is that the deal?
0: They don't. And, you know, this is my first opportunity to talk about this. So if you don't mind, I'd like to get into it. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah, no, I'm, uh, that's why we have you on.
0: So on Monday, so the accident was Saturday, Monday, once business resumed, was the first day he went to the prosecutor's office. And that was the first day he was questioned. And while he was there, they questioned him and then they read his statement to him because it's written in Japanese. And while he does speak Japanese... He's not very good at the reading, reading and writing part, but he does know a few things. Okay. So they're reading it back to him, and he's kind of looking at the paper, and he says, "Hey, you wrote that I was tired. There, I know that kanji that that says tired." And they kind of got uncomfortable, and he wasn't quite sure how to handle it because the name of the game is cooperate. But they said, "Oh, oh, okay." Uh, we'll, we'll change that because he told them time and time again, I don't know what happened to me. I was not tired. So fast forward to when we're finally able to go to his lawyer's office and have kind of our first meeting to prepare for trial. And he asked Ridge, okay, just walk me through what happened. And Ridge told him what happened. And he said, well, that's not going to work. And we both just kind of sat there. We're like, what do you mean? It's not going to work. That, that's the truth. That's what happened.
3: Wow, that's, that's and, uh, No wonder you were, <laughs> now, now what?
0: Yeah, and he said, um, well, all of your statements said that you were Nemuke. And he said, Nemuke, what does Nemuke mean? And his lawyer said, Nemuke means like sleepy or drowsy. And Ridge said, what I told the interrogators time and time again is what I told you. I don't even know the word Nemuke. So there's no reason that those should be in my statements. Hmm. But they were. And those statements become fact in court. So anything you say that goes against that, they're going to say that you're a liar.
3: Where was the Navy in all this? Where, the U.S.? I mean, y- y- he's stationed in Japan with the United States military.
0: A JAG which is a Navy lawyer. They show up, um, they hand you a piece of paper. His job is to protect the Navy and to protect the Alliance. So he gave Ridge that piece of paper. Ridge wanted to tell him what happened. He's like, Nope, you can't tell me what happened. Um, I'm just giving you this piece of paper, basically reading you your rights. And then before he left, he did tell Ridge that, you know, the best thing you can do is cooperate and he said that the Japanese usually don't mince your words.
3: He did cooperate. Navy Lieutenant Ridge Alconis pleaded no contest, then was convicted and lost his appeal. But the hope was he could get a suspended sentence because of what's called an extrajudicial settlement. It's customary in Japan to apologize, as the lieutenant wanted to do and did, and to pay restitution to the victim's families. Bernie Alconis says they managed to raise... $1.65 million.
0: We're a military family. You know, we do the best we can. So we did have, you know, we had that crazy American dream of wanting to buy a house one day. And, and we had worked hard to save for that. So we had a decent handful of cash there. Um, insurance paid less than half, maybe 700000 ish Um And then the rest of that was friends and family. You know, we were told that paying this settlement was the only thing that would keep Ridge out of prison. We had a ton of support, just people that were so loving and so giving.
3: What about the U.S. government? I mean, ultimately, you want to go to the White House to plead your case, right?
0: Yeah. You know, I I do believe there are people in the military, in the State Department that really want to help. Um, but because this case is so unprecedented in so many ways, you're falling in all these cracks we never even knew existed. But in order for people to make big moves to help, they need President Biden to say, whatever it takes, you have my permission to get rich out of Japan. And I expect him to get out of Japan.
3: Have you had so- any contact? With your husband since he went to prison,
0: the next day I went to go see him, um, and I and I got to talk to him then. But they don't they don't have phone privileges in Japan while in prison, so. Um, so you're I not, not going to not- hear
3: from him while you're in America. You're not going to get to talk to him at all.
0: Correct. Yeah.
3: Uh, this has to be a very hard time.
0: It is hard, and you know, unfortunately, it's a preview of what our future will likely be like 90 days from now you know once his leave runs out once pay and benefits are gone uh, my kids and i we can't stay there i'm gonna need to start working full-time I, I can't do that there and so we're gonna have to come back to the states and the only way to see him will be to fly there and that's incredibly expensive right now and as you can imagine Uh, There's not really extra funds to do that.
3: We uh, hope for the best for you when you get to Washington and a chance to talk to the president and maybe some success to get your husband freed.
0: Thank you so much. I am hopeful. I truly believe that if the momentum continues, um, that Ridge will come home soon. So
3: Well, good luck. We hope that's the case. And thank you very much for sharing your story. Brittany Alconis, the wife of U.S. Navy Lieutenant Ridge Alconis, now behind bars in Japan. Thank you very much at a difficult thank time you. for joining
0: us. Thank you.
6: Precise, personal powerful it's america's weather team in the palm of your hands get fox weather updates throughout your busy day every day subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com
3: it's time for your fox news commentary what's on your mind
2: Taylor Swift's private jet was flown 170 times between January and July, which amounts to 22,000 minutes or 16 days in the air. The carbon footprint on that is 8,240 metric tons. An out-of-touch liberal elitist who claims to champion the fight against climate change polluting the planet 1,185 times more than us little people. Now, Taylor's team says she can't be blamed for all of that because she loaned out her plane to others. And? What difference does that make, Taylor? It's your plane, and I'd be willing to bet you're loaning it to other climate change liberals. This goes to show how little these activist celebs really care about the causes they grandstand for. They are only horrified by climate change when it comes to blue-collar workers busting their butts to make a living in the fossil fuel industry. Their jobs are expendable, but Swift's private jet isn't. I'm Tommy Lahren, and you can listen to all of my hot takes at foxnewscommentary.com.
6: You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Getting schooled is a podcast hosted by Fox Nation's Abby Hornisack. Each week, Abby and her expert guests tackle topics we take for granted and help explain the roots and meanings behind them. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America is listening to Fox News from the Fox News Podcasts network.
2: Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast Kennedy Saves the World. It is 5 days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.